Hey, this is Gerd's Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Hundle and I'm just so excited about 2019. Can you just feel that energy and just empowerment and so many women living in their truth and being who they're supposed to be in this world? You know, 2019 is about being the best version of yourself being the highest vision and version of yourself and being the person that you always were supposed to be, to be emotionally and sexually liberated, physically, financially, spiritually, and sexually liberated. And today I have an amazing guest with me. And what a better way to start with an amazing guest who is helping people to eliminate fear and heal with inner love. Corinne Zupko is a keynote speaker, a certified coach, and teaches weekly mindfulness meditation. She believes we can all heal from the inside out, and I absolutely agree on this. Corinne, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show again, and thank you for joining us in this space today. Oh, I'm so honored to be back. We had such a powerful conversation last time, and I'm so excited to continue and go deeper. Oh my God, yeah, and I can't believe it was seven months ago. It's just amazing how much time flies when we're... I know, it's amazing. It was really surprising that it's been that long. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved our conversation last time. I was like, we have to get you back on the show. And my dear, so, you know, last time we spoke about your story, how you transformed your life, how you were lead- you're leading a brighter and healthy life. So this time I wanted to talk to you about the power of inner peace and how anxiety can be ancestral and what kind of tools we can implement to create inner peace. Yeah, so I love this topic. The power of inner peace is everything, because if you think about it, when you are touching that state of inner peace, when you feel in alignment completely, in other words, your thoughts are in line with what you say and what you say and think is in line with what you do, that's a really powerful place to be. And whatever then inspires you, what comes through, and you're already feeling peaceful because you're feeling in alignment, you can then act on on guidance that, that comes and you can hear that guidance better when you're clear inside so the power of peace is everything Mm. and it was a oh I'm sorry I was just going to add that this you know power of inner peace is what I sought for and wanted so badly because as we talked about last time with my story my my life was anything but peaceful for a long time because of my anxiety running so deep which touches into the ancestral peace uh that we'll get into too Mm. I'm looking forward to this (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you, what does inner peace mean to you? Inner peace is that feeling, almost like I just described, of alignment, where everything feels in a line and nothing feels out of place. There's an inner resonance. You know when, have you ever been in a building or in a church and people are singing and the echo, the the, the notes that they're all hitting together and then the echo, it almost makes that sound carry even deeper and it just kind of strikes you in your heart Mm. that to me is kind of that same sort of resonant feeling that I get when I'm feeling that inner peace so it's the complete opposite of anxiety it's a lack of fear it's a 
place of being in your truth and really touching who you truly are. So that's what inner peace means to me. Oh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, inner peace is so powerful. And I feel like all of us are seeking inner peace, but it's going from within, right? It's so important that we look for within. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because we typically seek for peace without. We look outside of ourselves mm. and that's what the whole world is geared toward having us think. If you turn on the TV, what is the television saying? What are the commercials saying? But you know, you need this product and then you'll feel really cool or you'll feel really happy once you, you know, eat this thing or take this medication or buy that car or that perfume. I'm just thinking of all the commercials that I've seen lately. (laughs) And so we are conditioned to find, to look for that peace outside of ourselves, but it doesn't exist out there. According to A Course in Miracles, which is that spiritual pathway that we talked a lot about last time, um, we can only find that peace within. The, The ego, which is that fearful voice in our mind, has a motto of seek but do not find. So I know we can all relate to this because when we all have looked for something outside of ourselves to make us happy, when we get that thing or when we move to that location, maybe it's exciting for a little bit, but then you kind of settle back down into your baseline of where you were before and you find like, okay, you know, this isn't really all that I thought it was. And that is that evidence of the ego's motto of seek, but do not find. So it's imperative that we start to recognize that. And we start to instead look for peace where it actually is, which is in every single one of us. Would you say that inner peace is linked to self-love? Yes, because if we are coming from a place of self-hate, that energy is much different than inner peace or or self-love. It's um, much more of a lower energy and a feeling really of, attack and ickiness whereas you know obviously inner peace and and happiness and joy are going to come from a much much different place so it is important that if we are seeking inner peace that we do practice self-love and that we start to be kind to ourselves that includes allowing ourselves to be where we are now I'd love to just share that when I um, work with people and even in my own journey One of the most common things that we can say to ourselves when we're on a spiritual pathway or any kind of pathway of self-growth, we think, oh, I should be further along than I am. I should be different (laughs) somehow. I should be getting this quicker. And that's not actually a self-loving type of thing to say because the most loving way that we can approach ourselves in that manner is to allow ourselves to be where we are to fully acknowledge that I am where I am and it's okay. I'm learning, I'm growing, and you know, there's no mistakes where I am. So thank you for bringing up that self-love piece because that's really important. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> I found, for me personally as well, that when I was on my own journey years ago, before 2012, I was always craving inner peace. And I was, like you said, like I was, I was looking on the outside. I was trying to like make myself look perfect on the outside, but nothing could fill that void of me doing the inner work and loving myself and when I started to love myself that's when the inner peace happened and that's when I started to kind of trust my inner light and discover what was bringing me more peace and what was almost distracting me away from my peace. Mm, I, I love that and you know you just called to mind an example from my own life. Back when I was in college I had 
ended a relationship that wasn't very healthy. I had a series of a couple of boyfriends that really did not treat me well. And when I ended that relationship, I said, I'm not dating. This is, of course, in you know university years when everybody's partying and hooking up. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not dating anybody for six months. It ended up being eight or nine months. And I said, I'm going to just go on dates with myself. I'm going to love myself, enjoy myself. And that I remember that Valentine's Day. I had so much fun because I bought myself a <laughs> box of chocolates. I got myself a new dress. Like I was serious about this, that I was going to get to know myself and, and like myself rather than be in a relationship where I don't really know what it's like, you know, to be just with myself. So I used that time to really go into that place of self-love. And that is when, I think that's when I really started, just like you described, really started to find that there was this inner peacefulness that came out in that energy of self-love. So I encourage anybody listening who (laughs) is either in an unhealthy relationship or is single to embrace it and to go and take yourself on a date, (laughs) buy yourself some presents, (laughs) do those kind things because that's really setting the stage for that inner peace to come forward. That is so powerful. Like I could, you know what, you could actually write a book about that. (laughs) It's so powerful. I never really thought of it in that way that taking yourself on a date to know what your standards are and what you, you, you know, what, how you should see yourself. That's powerful. That's, that's, yeah, that is something. Um, And I do, I do definitely agree with you in saying that, you know, having taking time out because I, I always believe that in order to love ourselves and have that inner peace is to take time out of having consistent relationships and really focusing on ourselves and understanding who we are. Um, And I'm kind of like myself as well, Corinne. I was like, I'll be single for six months and it ended up being three and a half years. And in that three and a half years, I discovered who I was. I started to love myself more than ever. I respected myself and I, I enjoyed just being me. Whereas before it was kind of like, who was I without this person? That's beautiful. <laughs> I love that you had that same period too and and really also found that that was a great opportunity to get to know who you are. And I think that that's just so critical. I think that's just so critical and so important yeah. for all of us. I feel like time a timeout isn't a bad thing. Timeout is actually a good thing to discover who you truly are. Mm-hmm. So when you go into I the totally right relationship, you, you know what your kind of standards are, your, your boundaries of what your inner love is in that relationship. And when you are in that place of coming to know who you are and what your standards are and you're feeling that inner peace, you then attract people who are on that same wavelength. And so after that nine-month period, I met this guy who I thought was really cool and he seemed really nice and we started with a friendship and ultimately maybe maybe within a year after that started dating and that's my husband that was 20 that was going on 21 years ago which is crazy I know we're having we're having our I think our 15th wedding anniversary this this year in 2019 so you know I really feel like when we can come into that space of self-love and finding that inner peace in ourselves and recognizing that it only comes from within we then attract somebody who's on that same wavelength and you then recognize that it's two whole people coming together rather than people who are looking for their needs to be met in another person. And when you're coming together as two whole people who are just like icing on the cake to each other, you know, they're not filling voids, 
that's the basis of, I think, a very, a very healthy uh, relationship. If, if you remember, or if anybody listening has ever seen that movie from probably the 90s, uh, Jerry Maguire, <laughs> there was this line in this movie, You Complete Me. And mm. I remember back when that came out, and however, I was, I was younger, much younger, uh, I remember thinking, that line is totally BS. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not a healthy perspective, yeah. but we as a culture, we're like, oh, you complete me. You know, that's so wonderful. So we do have to look where we slip into that thinking and catch it. And like I'm sure we talked about in our last episode, be willing to to see that differently and ask for a, a shift in perception instead. Yeah, that is, wow, that's so true. I agree with everything you're saying because yeah, this, it's funny actually you said that because um, I was talking to my partner the other day and I was like, we always say I love you to everyone else, but why do we never say I love me first and then I love you? And he just looked at me like, what? I was like, yeah, we should say I love me and then I love you because that reminds me to love myself first before I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I absolutely love that. It's beautiful. <laughs> because we do. We always, we're, give, we're trying to give love to others, but we sometimes forget about loving ourselves or looking in the mirror and saying, I love myself. So I love that. You know, another another piece that I'll add to that 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 relates to a relationship and also to self-love and to inner peace is this was shared with me from one of my teachers. His name's John Mark Stroud. And instead of saying I love you to his partner, they say I free you. Wow. And when I was listening to this and really thinking about this and, and then, you know, experimenting with saying this to my husband, like I free you and I free myself. What is that saying? But, you know, mm. let, let's start with oneself. So I free myself, meaning I free myself from my, my conditions and expectations that I place on myself. I'm going to let myself be who I am rather than who I think somebody else might want me to be or who I think I should be. I free myself to be, me. And when we say that to another person, I free you, some fear can come up like, okay, you know, if I free you, well, then maybe you're not going to do this X, Y, or Z thing that I like, you know, all of our expectations that we place on another person arise when we try on these words. And those expectations that come up can be opportunities to hand those things over to be willing to really free that other person to be who they are and to honor them and to allow them, you know, to, to, if they like to do something that's not your cup of tea, you're freeing them to say, Hey, you know, still go enjoy that. Like if you want to go have a boy's night or if you want to go, you know, do a hike with, with your best friend, um, go do it, enjoy. And, um, it's just a really powerful space to be when we can, say, I free you to ourselves and to another person. Wow, I have shivers. <laughs> <Don't mind> that. <laughs> That's so powerful. It's like allowing each other to, to love ourselves for who we truly are mm-hmm. and not trying Absolutely. to kind of change one another, right? Exactly, exactly, yes. Yeah, Pow- Super That's powerful. powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally got my hands up in the air like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's amazing. Um... So this is, this is going to be the deep bit <laughs> that we're going to talk about. So how, can you tell us how anxiety can be an ancestral pattern? So if you think about it, we, we pick up a lot 
from our families. We pick up a lot, even from our culture, just, you know, the, the society that we're immersed in. We learn cultural norms, um, gender, there's gender socialization. And even if we look at science, science shows that for certain mental health issues, there can be a genetic component where if somebody in your family has struggled with, you know, X, Y, or Z, there's a chance that you could struggle with that or, you know, a sibling. There is this genetic component to mental health issues and to anxiety as well. Now, I tend to look more at the learning piece because there's this new field, I believe it's called, oh my goodness, I'm, the, the term is escaping me, where it's a science of showing how certain genes can turn on and turn off. So like, even if you have a gene wow. for something, I don't think there's like any, I don't know that there's an anxiety gene, but there's, there's ways that genes can turn on and turn off. And so if you're in a healthy mindset and maybe have a meditation practice and you know, you're, you're in a healthy pattern in life, it might be that certain disease expressing genes that you have don't turn on, you know, that they, they can turn off. And that's really exciting. Now, I go more, like I said, into the realm of, of learning and what we've picked up in terms of family patterns, patterns from our parents, and how those some of those patterns can contribute to anxiety. And if we can bring awareness to those patterns and choose differently. Like I talk about so much in my book, miracles, because a lot of my work is based on A Course in Miracles. Miracles are shifts in perception and how we see things. And miracles are also expressions of love. So if we can start to apply miracles and have shifts and do different things to patterns that have been entrenched in families for generations, I do very much believe that um, breaking the anxiety pattern, breaking other patterns is not only possible, but almost that it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility mm. to look at unhealthy systems, unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy beliefs, all fear-based ideas. It's our responsibility to become aware of those fear-based thoughts that perhaps have been passed down from family members, from generations, and to choose again. Because as we clear out those thoughts in our mind, that's where healing happens. That's where inner peace shows up. That's where our joy comes from. And I believe it is our responsibility here to heal. It's our job. Yeah. It's so true about like ancestral patterns. And yeah, I feel you're right that anxiety can not really, an, it could be, or it couldn't be, we don't really know yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I grew up with patterns. Um, so my mum was always worried and my grandma was always worried. And I realized growing up, I was always worried and I picked up all this tension and like stress and anxiety. And what I realized in 2012 was that I, didn't, I, I needed to shift that. And when I noticed those patterns, that's when I actually, we can kind of call it cutting the cord away from that generational shift because I don't want the next generation to go through what I went through. I want them to be happy and joyful, you know, most of the time, because obviously we can't always be joyful. You know, sometimes we've got to feel sad in order for things to heal. Um, but I really noticed several patterns that had come from my generation. Um, and also like being a people pleaser, that came from my cultural side. But that also came from my family side because the women in my family had never spoken up. They were always about pleasing the family and making sure the family came first. And I'm probably the first generation that has actually done the inner work. Um, and now I'm actually teaching my mum self-love, which is just insane. <laughs> 
that's so awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. so awesome and so true that as you, just what you described, breaking those patterns is your responsibility. And now look at the beauty that's happening with you being able to teach self-love and a different way to your own mom. So that's gorgeous. Yeah. And I think people need to remember that there may be things within our culture or social or society or maybe what our family grew up with. And that you've been told that's the way, but that doesn't mean that it has to be your way. You can kind of respect those boundaries, but it doesn't mean it has to be your way. If it's not aligned with you, you don't have to do those things. Exactly. Exactly. You know, another pattern, you mentioned some great ones, people pleasing, not speaking up. Um, Another pattern is worry, worry Mm. patterns. And this goes from not just, I think, family, but also culturally. We are taught that, you know, if a loved one is out exploring the wilderness on a month long hike, (laughs) we're taught (laughs) that, oh, you should be, you should worry about them. Because if you worry about them, that shows that you love them and that you care. Wow. But this radical approach for healing fear that my work is based on actually says that if you're worrying about someone, that's actually not love. You know, it's, it, it is fear. And it's our job to always, always be willing to side with that inner light, to side with the truth in another person. So even if somebody, let's say, is going through a health scare or a health issue. We want to be compassionate and loving and help. And absolutely, we want to do those things. We want to be compassionate to that individual. And at the same time, our worrying about them is not going to help them. It's not <laughs> as, as you know, would be taught to us. It's actually not loving. It's actually just amplifying fear. So instead, if we can bring ourselves into a place of, loving this other person, siding with their inner light instead of, you know, the difficulty of what they're going through. We are then strengthening the love, breaking the pattern, <laughs> you know, the, the pattern, not just in, in our ancestry, but also culturally as well. And we are helping that we're creating a space for that other person to remember that that same love is in themselves as well. Because if they're going through a difficulty, that's what's going to help them heal, is remembering that truth, remembering the inner light. What's not going to help them heal is more fear. So we <laughs> want to you know, bring our minds into that space of, mm. of love instead of fear. Yeah, that's powerful. It's so true. And it's just something that you said that just reminded me that as women, we're seen as nurturers, and we always have this tendency to overgive and overplease and make sure everyone's okay. But, you know, we're in a world now where we're working, we're balancing not just our career, but family, friends, and if you've got children as well. So you've got to really own your power and like not overgive when you can't give. And mm-hmm. and that can be an ancestral thing as well. Like if you grew up, you know, the women of the house were always giving then you're going to end up doing that. But you can also change that and actually create a boundary for yourself and actually help yourself to be balanced and look what works for you and what doesn't work for you. I think that's so true and such an important point that that's another pattern that we do have culturally and ancestrally as women yeah. is to to give, to put everybody else first. And uh, it is important, just like you're saying, to start to recognize that we not overgive and that we that we honor ourselves first. You know, I'll share a personal story about 
this. And in my own family, you know, the roles of women, if I look back over, over generations were traditional and women, you know, there was even the message, you know, you should stay, if you're married, you need to stay married no matter what. And my parents divorced when I was in college. It was actually around the time that I started having panic attacks, but I can honestly say that that had nothing to do with it because I was okay with the divorce. I actually thought it was a really great thing and that both my parents were, were going in a good direction. My mom, um, you know, patterns in the family always said, if you're married, you stay married. Don't speak up. Um, you know, go, just go along with it. All those types of messages. And this had been passed down from generation to generation. And my mom finally was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, no, like I'm done with this. And my mom not only did divorce my father, but, and I have, you know, good relationships with both of them and, and, and very proud of the growth that they've done. Um, my mom left, not only left my dad when the whole family was like, no, you should stay. (laughs) My mom not only left him, she didn't leave him for someone else. She left him to be alone, <laughs> to, to do it on her own, which is scary. I know, you know, I have uh, friends in my own life who have transitioned from a marriage into being single or a single parent, and it's not easy. It can be really scary. But what that taught me, my mom's willingness to just step into the unknown and literally trust. If, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, there is a part at the end of the movie where he is, you know, it's getting to the end of the film and he's about to find the Holy Grail in that cave with that knight. But to get there, he has to take a leap of faith and step out on what seems like nothing. It's just like a really, like really, really steep cliff. But when he takes that leap of faith and just steps, he finds that there's ground beneath him. And not only is there ground, it kind of blended in with the, you know, very bottom of that, that cliff, um, there was, you know, ground beneath him. He just had a trust. He couldn't see it before. And so my mom having taken that leap of faith to just, you know, do it on her own Mm. broke a pattern that was longstanding for generations. And I feel free of that. You know, I feel like very empowered that if, I'm in a very healthy relationship with my husband and we think we're in it for the long haul, but if things were to change, like I know I would be okay. And to know that, um, I thank my mom, you know, I I thank her for breaking that pattern. And so for all of us listening, thinking about what patterns, and just like you spoke to already, what patterns can you break Mm. that can serve your family, that can serve you, that can serve loved ones. It's almost like empowering yourself then serves others because you're able to come from that place of wholeness and help from that place of wholeness rather than from obligation or from, you know, those, those passed down patterns. Yeah. Does that all make sense? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just taking it all in. It's so powerful. And it's, it's fascinating because the moment you break those patterns, it will allow another loved one to see their own patterns and what they need to change. So you not only inspire yourself, you empower your family and others around you to do the same and yes, be in their truth. And I just want to salute your mom. I feel like I need to give her a clap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll salute her and clap yeah. her too. <laughs> because it takes guts to know, to stand in your truth and say, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm doing this because I need to love myself and accept myself for who I am and not care about 
what generations have been taught. It's time to be in my own power. That is just like, oh, your mom's living an empowered life. That's just, yeah, power, power, powerful. It is so powerful. It is so powerful. And I'm so grateful that she's been able to set that example for me because it has empowered me and for sure broken that family pattern. Yeah. And the next generation will just be like, hey, I'll do what I want, <laughs> which is great. That's... Yeah, they're free of that. They're free of that. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they don't pick it back up yeah. from some other way. But, <laughs> but yeah, they're free of it. Yeah. So um, oh, I wanted to talk to you about how can we become our own inner therapist? Ooh, mm. I love that question. <laughs> so in my book, I talk about this term, your inner therapist, and I actually am referring to a part of your very own mind Mm. that remembers truth. It remembers love. It knows who you are. It's, it's job. This part of our mind, the job is for it to help us heal. And it can be referred to in any way, you know, inner guidance, spirits, your higher mind. I like the term inner therapist because my work has been, you know, my, my, my biggest challenge in life has been anxiety getting to heal from within, it took calling on this part of my mind, you know, my, my inner therapist. So remind me again, was your question, how do we get in touch with it? Um, it's how, uh, oh, my mind's gone blank. <laughs> how we can become our own inner therapist. Ah, that was it. How can we become our own inner therapist? So I would actually tweak that to say, how could we get in touch with our inner therapist? Because mm. it's it's not that we become our own inner therapist. You already have that part of your mind in you. It's just a matter of listening to it. So it's not like we need to become it. It's already there. We just need to brush fear to the side, you know, clear out some blocks in order to hear that inner therapist's voice more clearly. And when I say voice, I don't mean an actual voice. I mean more like intuition or that gut knowing. Um, it might be a voice or thoughts, but for me, it's always much more of a feeling. So we become reliant on this whole part of our mind. This, we don't become reliant overnight. It's Mm -hmm. a journey and a process of developing trust in this part of our mind, but we, we get clear on that. We become that in a sense by what we've already sort of described with identifying fear and choosing again. So whether fear takes the form of a pattern, you know, an intergenerational pattern, whether it's just a fleeting fear thought in our mind or a judgmental thought, what we have to do in those circumstances is notice those thoughts, own them, don't dismiss them, don't deny them, but instead acknowledge them. And they might be yucky thoughts. Like, you know, we have lots, there's studies that show that we have very socially unacceptable thoughts quite often, but nobody wants to admit it, right? Because the thoughts are really ugly. So instead, instead of brushing those icky thoughts to the side, we can get in touch with this part of our mind by saying, ooh, yuck, I just had this really judgmental thought about that person come through my mind inner therapist. So now I'm turning, you know, to my higher mind and I'm saying, here's that thought. Show me a miracle instead. Give me a new thought. You know, I want to replace that judgmental thought with a thought of truth. So we start to just, even just like self-talk to that part of our mind, our inner therapist, bringing fears to this part, 
asking for that shift. And as we have those shifts, that builds our trust that there actually really is this part of our mind, this inner therapist part that is healing and it's there and we can rely on it. So it's almost like what I said about clearing out fear blocks, you need your inner therapist in that process. You don't have to do that by yourself. So we get in touch with it really by starting to just turn toward it or to like talk to that part of our mind, even if we don't know, you know, exactly how that feels or what that looks like just yet. It's a matter of acknowledging that as much fear and nonsense we have in our own minds, there's also a very sane part of our mind, and it's this part of our mind that we can turn to and trust. In a therapeutic approach called dialectical behavior therapy, they call it wise mind. So there's many different traditions that acknowledge that there is this deep part of us, our inner light, that is there and that we want to you know, build trust in and, and turn toward in every situation. Mm, that's fascinating yeah it's amazing that you know sometimes we feel like we need to turn towards somebody which is always great however we can start to pay attention to our own behaviors and what we're feeling we can heal it a lot quicker yeah you know it's such a trap I think that when we get caught up in seeing what's wrong with other people or what other people should be doing differently Mm. because what we're seeing the errors that we're seeing perhaps mistakes let's say that we are judging that somebody else is making if we're honest we do those same things there's actually there's actually a quote in a course of miracles that i love and it says that um if you're alert to the errors of your brother's ego you must be seeing through your own (laughs) And I'm paraphrasing there, but what that's saying is that if I'm seeing the errors in another person, it's because I'm seeing through my own ego. I'm seeing through the part of my fearful mind, you know, that, that Mm. makes mistakes and errors. And so I, instead, instead of focusing on what they're doing right or wrong, (laughs) bring the focus back to my own mind, what's going through my mind, you know, and being responsible, like, okay, these are the icky thoughts that I'm having. And again, I'm going to do something about my thoughts. There's another course quote that's coming to mind that says, I rule my mind, which I alone must rule. So typically, I don't know about you, but I know my mind is like that proverbial monkey mind. It jumps from one thing to another and all over the place. And it's just, you know, constantly singing a song or, you know, feeling just foggy or distractible. And if we take that quote to heart, I rule my mind, you know, I alone must rule my own mind. That means that we do need to watch our minds for those fear thoughts. It means that we can build in a meditation practice because it is a really, really healthy thing for for our minds and science shows, you know, for our bodies as well. We have to take charge of our own minds and, and not fall into that trap of just seeing what everybody else in the world (laughs) is doing wrong. So that's a huge, hugely important point. Yeah, I don't know about for yourself. Um, Meditation helped me to really calm down my energy because I've always been an upbeat person, need to do 10 things at the same time. And with meditation, it's really helped me to like calm my mind down and actually almost like make a list of what things need to be done, but it doesn't mean they need to be done all together at the same time. I'm laughing because I so relate. <laughs> I'll make my list and then, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do, but but I'm 
trying to think of everything getting done all at once. And it's just not going to happen. That meditation piece has been so key for me to learn how to slow down your Mm. mind and your body are both like, thank you (laughs) when you choose (laughs) to take that time to slow down and to get quiet, even if it's just five minutes. And if five minutes eventually feels comfortable, push yourself, you know, to do a little bit longer. But one of the beauties of one of the beautiful things about meditation, one of the beautiful things about mindfulness meditation is that we can practice this type of meditation, even when we are busy and doing the things that we have to do in our daily lives, which means simply that we're paying attention to our present moment experience. So if we're paying attention to our present moment experience during a formal meditation, that might be, you know, focusing on your breath or a mantra. But when we're paying attention to our experience, when we're washing the dishes or walking on the beach or, you know, sitting in this chair right now, however you're perhaps sitting, that then means that every moment of your day becomes an opportunity for meditation. It becomes an opportunity for slowing down and being. And in that place of being, we can step out of that fearful loop of thoughts. We can allow people to be as they are. We can allow ourselves to be where we are. This space of being is really a very powerful space. It's also a space where we can perhaps have insights about family patterns and and patterns that we've adopted in our life that maybe aren't so healthy for us anymore. So I really am such a big fan of meditation. I'm so glad that you brought it up because getting in the present moment to also go back to what you asked about becoming our own inner therapist, Mm. our inner therapist exists in the present moment. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. It's in the now. And so the more we can get ourselves into the now, the more we'll be in touch with that part of our mind, our inner therapist. Yeah. And the more we'll be connected to inner peace. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about the therapist being in the present moment. That's, that's, yeah, wow. It's so true. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I just want to also clarify, too, that I use this term inner therapist, obviously because it's inside of ourselves, but... The therapist idea is because this part is where guidance comes from. It's the part that helps us heal. It's the part that, you know, when we realize, when this therapist part of our mind helps us realize who we are, which is love and joy and peace, we can't help but heal. And this is the space where my anxiety disorders fell away. This is the space where my phobia of flying on planes fell away. It's the space where a lot of magnificent change has happened. And it's a space that's available to all of us. And it all can begin with getting into the present moment. Yeah. Wow. I relate a hundred percent with this because uh, doing the inner work, I was doing my own inner therapy (laughs) and yeah, it really taught me to really pay attention to my own inner voice and listen to what, what I really wanted in my life and what I didn't want in my life and how I could carry on keeping that inner peace in my life. So, yeah, 100% right. Yeah, and, you know, I'll also say that doing inner therapy, I love how you just said that, is not, it doesn't mean we can't benefit from seeing an earthly therapist because sometimes that voice of love can speak through another person because we're a little too lost in fear to hear it for ourselves. So I just want to make that point that you can still do inner therapy while working with an earthly therapist. But if you 
are committed to doing this inner therapy, it means you have to show up for it. So just like you would show up for an appointment with your, you know, earthly therapist, you have to show up for appointments with your inner therapist. And that means carving out time each day, like we said already, to meditate, to practice being in the present, even to journal. You know, one of my, we may have talked about this last time, I don't remember, but one of my favorite spiritual tools is a journal because if, if, you can use it instead of documenting what's happening in your life. If you can use it as a tool, a therapeutic tool and get out your fear thoughts, get out what's troubling you, get out what's bothering you, you get it out on paper. And then that brings you into a place of much more easily being able to drop into the present. And you can look at everything that you then just wrote on your paper and say, okay, inner therapist, here's all my fears. They're out on paper. I'm willing to see these differently. I'm willing to hand these over to you. I want a miracle instead. And I cannot tell you how many times just that process that I just described of writing and getting it out and being willing to see it differently has shifted me almost immediately at times into a place of feeling a heck of a lot better. <laughs> mm, I relate. It's it's almost getting all the thoughts out of our head so it's no longer feeling like it's affecting us. And I do 100% agree with what you said that you, it, it is good to see a therapist I'm not, or see somebody who can help or even a life coach, someone who can support you because I did it all alone and it's not easy. It is like you said, you have to show up. You have to do the work. If you want an easier way to get to inner peace quicker, seek help. <laughs> yes. Because we can't do everything alone. And that's something I had to learn. We can only grow if we're supporting one another and actually having somebody there to help us and make us realize some things that we don't see within ourselves. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto. We are coming towards the end of the show, my lovely. I've just noticed the time. (laughs) Um, I've got a few more questions left for you. Um, Okay, great. The first one is, what are your five top tips for someone who is currently seeking inner peace? If you're currently seeking inner peace, one of the Okay, so my top five tips, of course, I feel like I could give you 15, but I'm going to give you five. (laughs) I'll be good. First, start practicing radical honesty. That means if you're not feeling peace, start getting really honest with yourself that you're not feeling peace. If you're feeling mad or sad or, you know, again, if you're having those judgmental thoughts, start getting radical, radically honest that that's how you're feeling. And that ties into the next point that I want to say, which is to feel your feelings. So this is not about ever denying our feelings or or wiping them away. We do have to feel them. We have to be radically honest that they're there and we have to feel them. Now, at the same time, with being honest and feeling your feelings, so the first two steps The third one that I would recommend is to also hold them loosely. And what I mean by that, Mm -hmm. if you can imagine right now that you're holding your hands as if you're like holding, you can just sort of cup your hands, they're open to the sky, maybe your fingers are spread apart, and you can imagine that you're just holding something very lightly and loosely. We feel our feelings, we're honest about them, and yet holding them loosely means that you're willing to see them differently. You're willing to say, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking, but maybe this isn't the end all be all, you know, maybe there's another Mm. way. So those are my first three steps, getting radically honest, 
feeling your feelings and yet holding them loosely. That's number three. Number four, however you're feeling, whether you're feeling a lack of peace or peace, start performing miracles. And what I mean by that is start extending love. Where can you be kind? If you're passing somebody on the street or in a hallway, smile, you know, start seeing if you can see the inner light in other people and everybody that you meet or pass by. If you're in line in the grocery store, if you're out for a walk, you don't have to do this. You don't have to actually try to force yourself to see the light. But again, you can be willing to extend love. And that love might be just a smile or a nod or maybe holding the door open for somebody. So that's my fourth step is to extend that love because as you extend it and others receive it, you're going to start to know that that's within yourself. And then number five, I would say, would be to continue to deepen your relationship with your inner therapist. Mm. Take quiet time. Take time to write. Take time to, to meditate. Deepen that connection with your inner therapist, with the healing part of your own mind. Because when that relationship becomes your primary relationship, that's where the real magic happens. That's where the the real miracles happen. That's where you're really able to join with others and see that truth in others. Because just like you have an inner therapist, this higher part of your mind, they do too. And those two parts of your mind, when you're willing to see that in another, you know, there's a joining there. So you recognize your wholeness and your peace within yourself as they then can touch it for them too. So I'll stop there. (laughs) (laughs) They were beautiful and I, I loved all of them and I love the fact that, you know, be your own inner therapist, be more loving to others and yourself and just, yeah, it's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Um, my next question, my lovely, is what are you most grateful for? I am most grateful, oh my goodness, that's such a hard question to answer because immediately three things, five things come to mind. <laughs> I am most grateful for love. I am most mm. grateful that each of us has a spark of good in us, whether we are aware of it or not, and whether we see it in another person or not, it is there. And I am so grateful that that is an unchangeable truth that I can always come back to when I stray. Beautiful. And what shines your inner light? What shines my inner light? You know, I'm going to go really silly for this one. My chickens. <laughs> I have a chicken who are really funny and I'm saying this right now because I was just um, outside watching them run around. I have one who loves to be picked up and these some of these chickens are just so loving and in touch with their own inner light that it can't help but bring out mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. I think oh. all animals have that have that gift. <laughs> I just I'm moving my arms like a chicken. <laughs> I can feel it. I know what you mean. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love it. I love it. I have a very special connection with birds. I don't know what that's about, but I just always have. Mm, I guess it's that freedom to free to, like you said before, the freedom to be yourself. Yeah, yeah, and and having open hands and just letting them, you know, come and go. Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And my last question is, what does an empowered woman look like for you? An empowered woman is. A woman who can walk around 
knowing that she is exactly where she needs to be for her growth and learning. She's there's no mistakes and she has a sense of trust in the universe that even if things outside in the world seem insane and crazy, she trusts that things are not always what they seem and that there is a higher good for, for everything. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Corinne, for sharing your knowledge today and teaching us so much more than in a piece today. We've learned so much from you today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Gertz. This is always such an honor and um, really a joy to, to be with you and to join. Thank you. And just keep sharing your knowledge with others because you're definitely a light in this world, helping so many other women to be true who they're supposed to be. So thank you so much for all the work that you do. And I feel the same about you. Thank you. God bless you. Wow, what a powerful interview with Corinne. Do check out the work she's doing because it's so powerful. And I know hundreds of other women who've been learning from Corinne and from her book, From Anxiety with Love. And it will just shift your mindset and help you to free yourself from the anxiety and be who you're supposed to be in this world. You know, the moment you start loving yourself and accepting yourself and embracing yourself is the moment you will start to take your power back and have inner peace for yourself. And everything that Corinne and I shared today helps you to to find that inner peace from within if you need more guidance check out corinne at www.girdshundle.com before i leave i want to leave you with this quote our anxiety does not come from thinking about the future but from wanting to control it that's a quote by khalil gibran take care and i'll see you in the next show and remember stay happy stay healthy stay lit lit, lit.